0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to Life Transformation Radio. This show is all about life transformations and
0: our journey from where we were to why we are doing what we are doing today. We will discuss the hiccups, the roller coasters, and the blood, sweat,
1: and tears that has been poured out while discovering our purpose. It is all
0: about our transformation. Here is your host, Sean Douglas. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Life Transformation Radio. This is season five, episode three, and I am your host, Master Resilience Implementer, TEDx Speaker, Business Positioning Strategist, and International Best Selling Author, Sean Douglas. Life Transformation Radio is currently heard in over 90 countries, so whether it's your first time joining us or you've been listening to us for some time, I want to thank you to those who are listening from around the world. Life Transformation Radio is all about our transformation. Here is where we tell the stories of why we're doing what we're doing, highlighting that transformational moment that changed our lives and how we use it to then transform others and elevate their lives as well. You can listen to us live right here on the Blog Talk Radio Network Tuesday through Friday, five thirty PM Eastern time. You can also join our Facebook group by searching Life Transformation Radio community on Facebook, and never miss an episode by subscribing where you listen to podcasts. Life Transformation Radio can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, Player FM, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and we are available on YouTube as well. Search. Life Transformation Radio on YouTube, and hit that subscribe button. On the show, my guests are entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners, coaches, podcasters, authors, amazing people impacting the world around them. And my guest today does exactly that. If you have any questions for any of the guests during our live broadcast, Tuesday through Friday, 5:30 p.m. Eastern time right here on the Blog Talk radio network, give us a call at 657-383. One one zero nine. Again, the number is six five seven three eight three one one zero nine. If you need the link, the link is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash life transformation radio. Come on and join us live. With that, please help me welcome my guest for today and returning to the show, Todd Palmer. Todd, welcome back, my friend.
1: Sean, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you bringing me back on.
0: Man, I love that you reached out to me to talk about your book. Uh, not a lot of people return to the podcast, or sometimes the hosts don't even have them back. go, like, oh no, we already did that. You know, we don't need to talk about you know all that stuff again. And, but you know, I got an email and it says, "Hey, man, I got a book coming out. Would love to talk about it on your show. Would love to come back." I'm like, that's awesome. Heck <laughs> like, yeah, I have you back? man. I, love I think that. we had an amazing conversation. Oh, we
1: did. That's why part of the reason why I wanted to come back. It's it's always important. To, to go back to your tribe and connect with people that you gel with. And you, you, my friend, were on that list.
0: Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. So, the title of this episode today is From Suck to Success A Guide to Extraordinary Entrepreneurship with Todd Palmer. Todd joins us once again to talk about his second book, From Suck to Success A Guide to Extraordinary Entrepreneurship, that will be released this year, February 2021. The book is a collection of concepts and stories, including many 2020 COVID p- pivots, that help leaders deal with chaos and crisis. The first half of the book addresses mindset issues that help people get unstuck. The second half of the book is a collection of strategic and tactical best practices to grow both the reader's personal life and the business. Todd Palmer is a, collect- is a collaborative business advisor and CEO of Extraordinary Advisors. Simply put, EA helps business leaders get stuff done. As the CEO of a six-time Inc. 5,000 company, Todd knows that business success begins and ends with people. If you want to go back and listen to our previous episode, it is hyperlinked right there in the show notes. It's called The Job Search Process with CEO and author Todd Palmer. It's an incredible episode. His website, Facebook, and LinkedIn link is right there in the show notes. Go ahead and click on those, see what he's all about, and send him a friend request on your favorite social media platform, letting him know that you listened to this episode of Life Transformation Radio. Todd, I got to say, man, going back and listening to our show, I listened to bits and pieces of it, picked up a couple things, and for you to come back with this from suck to success, I think it gets right down to the heart of, man, you just got to start, and you got to start ugly, and then reading through your book, which was, Ex- extraordinary, by the way. Oh, thank you. The lemon on the on the front cover <laughs> literally set the tone for the book, man. Like you talked about a couple ways that people were thriving and then got got destroyed, but then came back, like like they pivoted. They were like, "Oh, this sucks." <laughs> like this moment, yeah, exactly, right? I mean, exactly. It's just destroying, disrupting. I mean, we talk about disruptors all the time. I mean, COVID was that disruptive, man. And you highlighted a lot of great points where they felt the suck, but then pivoted so that they could thrive.
1: You know, that, that was the key of last year. Last year for most companies wasn't a year necessarily for them to, to, to thrive from a traditional sense. First, we had to start with them surviving. to so just survive, to thrive, to grow. And, you know, as, as I share in, this, in the book, there were so many people who were just shocked and paralyzed when, when COVID hit their businesses. And, you know, as a, as we talk about how leaders need to understand how to make change often, and, you know, as we talked about on the last time I appeared on your show is, you know, I made, as when I was an active CEO, I made decisions every day. Some of those decisions were great decisions. And some of those decisions were, were weak decisions, but whatever those decisions were, those are decisions that I made that impacted my business. That those So those changes required off of my my decisions were, were self-controlled, self-implemented, sometimes even, you know, self-wound inflicting. When COVID comes on, it's happening to us. And, and one of the key pivots I, I challenge all leaders to consider is how can we focus on COVID happening for us and not to us? Now, I can imagine you, you've got someone maybe from the restaurant industry who's like literally wanting to turn off the, the show right now. Stay with us because – the, there's there's a mindset shift that's required to ha- have things happen for us, not to us, and I think we'll get into that today.
0: Yeah, I thought a lot about this because I have a dream to open up a, a pool hall, bar, and grill.
1: Love and it. Okay.
0: My concept is going to be like nothing anyone has seen, and my my wife and I have talked about this a lot. So I live in North Carolina, and I. And we're going to be moving to Utah this year. As I retire from active duty after 20 years, I said, man, I love speaking and training and coaching and mentoring, but my heart is building actual businesses. So a lot of my clients are wanting to have maybe not an online business. Maybe it's a T-shirt company. You know, I started one of those, and now I help other people do stuff like that. Uh, I, I've helped people or you know, open brick-and-mortar businesses and setting up and things like that. But I really just want to start this concept, and I think it'd be amazing. And it's, it's going to be – so in the second business that we did in 2010 to 2012, we opened up an antique and collectible store in San Antonio, Texas. We bought storage units at auction. We all oh, okay we picking. So, so I love that stuff. The, the beginning of the store is going to be an antique store, which I think is going to be amazing. And it'll have a lot of, like, relics and things of, like, the pool hall industry and bars and just, just stuff from just the antiques, right? And then a metal fridge will be on the wall, and you open up the metal fridge, and that's how you walk into the actual bar. So it'll be, like, a gotcha. easy concept. Yep, yep. And then they make black light pool tables. So much like cosmic bowling, Right, we be right. doing cosmic pool. Gotcha. So the black light will be on the table with neon balls and neon felt. And there could be like, you know, strobe lights, like under that, like the white strobe lights, but just like the colored, you know, LEDs like under the table. So the light goes up and then it's going to be that type of an atmosphere. And she's like, I'm so glad you didn't start this thing because COVID right. would have shut us down. I'm like, not really. I would have just gone online, buy our right. food online. And then we would have done a lot of takeout. We would have done a lot of DoorDash. I mean, that you just have to keep going. You know, the bar scene is not so much sit down and eat, but it's like a get together thing, right? So let's say we cannot do any parties and like stuff like that, but you could do outdoor dining. Right. So just bring the people outdoor. And then there was a whole lot, lot of stuff with that. But I was all about like, I mean, if your food's good, people are still going to want to eat it. Oh, so for sure. Do a lot of takeout. Do a lot of takeout. Yeah. Or what I thought about doing was catering, going into catering and catering lunches at at you know, people's work centers. There's there's not a lot of people working, maybe they're teleworking, but you can or you know, they can order lunch and then you bring them the food from your restaurant. I don't know why Texas Roadhouse and all these other restaurants, why they didn't start doing that. Get into catering and start, hey, you really can't leave to go somewhere, you know, maybe for lunch. Uh, we'll bring the food to you, and we'll just cater it to you. And that way, the spread or you know, whatever's going on isn't uh, you know, going through your, your company. So I thought about well, things I th- like
1: that. Well, I think what, what I'm mean, hearing you do is I'm hearing you looking for the opportunity within the tragedy. And, and that's, a, mm-hmm. that's a hallmark of having a growth mindset. And when we have a growth mindset, you know, there's a, there's a four-step process I talk about in my book called the E4 process. And the first thing is starting with your, your initial mindset. What's not working? So using your example of the, of the pool hall. Well, what's not working? Well, the government has shut down all gathering activities, so I can't offer what I want to offer. All right. Well, so what, what is my intention, not my expectation? My intention is to get my food into the community. My intention is to give people an amazing dining experience, whether in my place, which I'd love to do, but I can't, or in their home. So how can I then deliver the food, which is the third step, is the strategy around the intention, around the mindset you want to change, the piece that's not working for you. And you iterate through that, and that's really where you, you see all these really unique ways of, of staying in business, uh, going, like you said, going online, making a delivery model. I mean, as you're, as you're talking about the pool hall, the first thing that popped into my mind is if if you offered like a virtual reality experience somehow where I could play pool with my buddies from the comfort of my house with one of those VR headsets on and we can interact like we're in the same space but not it, – because it, I, when I think of a pool hall or when I think of a speakeasy, I, I think of community. I think of connectivity. Yep. I think of great shared experiences. Yep great food. You take that concept of great shared experiences, connectivity, and great food, and you remove the physical limitations of a, of a brick and mortar, and move that into another environment, there's still
0: a business there. Mm-hmm. You bring up a great point. I wonder if there's a connectivity barrier that would have to be breached in order to make that happen. Because with yeah, VR, they, they come with certain games that come with certain software, whatever. Like, I wonder if companies, when we get into VR, which I think is at least three years away, I, I just look at, like, commercials are being done about VR. We heard about VR back in, like, 2013. I was invested in a VR company um, in, um, what's it called, um, Ocular. And okay. and it did really kind of take off like I think we're like five or six years away, but we're starting to see commercials. We're starting to see people kind of test it out. We haven't you know crossed the chasm yet, right? The law of diffusion of innovation theory. We haven't crossed that sixteen to thirty two percent market penetration yet. But we will. And I wonder if just like video games and things, if businesses can create software or apps where you can like guys let's go to this one place and then from their home, they're shooting pool. You know, I, I wonder how that would work. I think that's super amazing. Well,
1: I, but it's that innovative thinking that's going to be required. It's that growth mindset versus the you know, the or mentality, the, the woe is me, where what, what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. what I've always, you know, it, 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 do, it doesn't currently, it's not available to you. It's not, it doesn't currently exist. And, and I saw so many unique stories of people pivoting in doing their own version of going from sucking to being successful within the COVID environment that, you know, I think you and I were talking about on, on the pre-show, you know, I was supposed to be on six different stages across three different countries in March and April of 2020. My, the main model I used is I would speak from stage to engage my audience and to find coaching clients and, and more speaking opportunities. That was the model. Through no fault of my own, no fault of my booking agency, all that was, was taken away so what, what options did I have? Well, what I chose to do is I went back to the model and I identified what wasn't working. What's not working is I can't physically travel right now. Well, what is my right. intention? My intention is to improve lives. I think we talked about this when the last time I was on your show. I worked with Simon Sinek a dozen years ago to help me figure out my why. My why is improve mm-hmm. lives. Two words, very easy to remember, really hard to do. And I thought, okay, how can I improve lives in a virtual way? And I went on this crazy virtual speaking tour where I spoke to large groups and small CEOs and in small groups and all across the United States, Canada, Mexico, and into Asia, you know, anywhere from eight, you know, 6 8 in the morning East Coast time to midnight East Coast time to, to help entrepreneurs, leaders who are paralyzed by fear and self-doubt wrapped up in the chaos and crisis around COVID. From there, I, I was able to impact a lot more people from the comfort of my house mm-hmm. um, to, to, to help them with the problems they were facing in the moment. Was it was it fun? Absolutely. Was it identical to speaking from stage and doing the, the after meets and the, the book signings? No, it was different. And that's right. OK. But my intention was to improve lives. And so I couldn't let something that was thrust down upon our world, like a covid environment, a covid pandemic, slow my momentum down. I just had to pivot within the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. I did a lot of virtual speaking this year. Most of the virtual speakings, you know, people are throwing online events. You know, they're they're normally free. Uh, they're, they're not going to pay a lot of speakers. But there were a couple companies that said, hey, our event is moving to online. I did one. I said, uh, yeah, man, I still want to speak. No problem. They said, well, here's the thing. We paid you a deposit, which yep. is usually half. Just keep the deposit and can you just do it for that? And then I said, Yes, yeah, sure. I'm not going to travel and I won't be away from my family. I'm literally going to do this hour long keynote and then I'm going to get up and I'm going to go hang out with my kids. So, you know what? Yeah, I'll do that. And a couple of them said, Hey, we haven't paid you yet. We won't pay you. Would you still do it? And I was like, Well, you realize you're not paying me for my travel. You're not, I mean, yeah, you are kind of paying me away from my family. However, comma, you're really paying for my knowledge. That's right. not really what you're paying for. You're paying for me. You're paying for my energy. You're paying for my knowledge. What I bring to the table. So yeah, I totally get it. And so we kind of negotiated, and you know, there's some lower rates. But some people are like, look, if we we're not going to pay you if you're not going to speak. We'll find somebody else. I'm like, oh, no, I'll do it. <laughs> like I don't want to sure. pass it up because I again, I'm still at my home. It's no cost to me, you know. So I find that. You know, the, the online speaking, although you're reaching a lot of people, you had to pivot there, too. For sure. So instead of saying, well, I'm not going to get paid, why do it? Uh, because I got a bunch of clients from it. Right. And I asked them, I said, well, you can't pay me, but can I offer something? Not sell from stage, right? But just can I offer them something? Can I offer them something else after this? And they said, yes, go ahead. So I said, OK, here we go. I'm going to offer this one thing or this one thing, depending on what event I was speaking at. Hey guys, if you want to have a conversation with me, you know, that type of stuff. Um, sure. You know, I have a free guide for you. So I started building my email list. So I said, instead of talking to people after an event, I was talking to them in my email list. My email list grew. I made more sales. So, so there's a way to do it. You just got to be strategic about it and forecast the steps. I love that part where we just sit down and forecast. If I speak there, then I want to talk to people. How do I talk to people? I need to offer something. Here's a free guide. They download the guide. Then what happens? They get out of my email list. Okay. What type of emails will I send out? What's the frequency of emails I'll send out? And all, all this stuff really becomes the pivot point that, well, I really don't have an email list. Now I do.
1: Right. right. Sure. Totally makes sense. And, and the, the brilliance in what you did is what I, th- I think more entrepreneurs really want to focus on doing is again seeing where that opportunity is seeing where we can go and, and add the, uh, um, the the value add to the community the value add to the mm-hmm. audience as well as what can we you know you're, people are paying you know, this is the part that always cracks me up People say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire you to speak for an hour, so I should charge you for an hour. Well, first of all, there's the day away from the family, the day of travel, and then the time with yep. your, your audience. You're not just paying for an hour of our time. You're paying for uh, 30 years of coaching and CEO experience in my case. So that, that, right. didn't, that didn't come overnight, and that didn't come in just one hour. Um, this isn't one of those those quick you know Instagram programs where you know sign up for our course for two hundred dollars and become a coach. When I coach my clients, I'm literally in the weeds with them in the tough decisions, speaking from experience as a CEO, not as I read about it in a book or I saw it on an online program. That that's different. It's like it's like going to a steak restaurant, right? You can go you can go to sit and some teenager can mm-hmm. make your steak, which is fine. Or you can go to Morton's and a chef who's got 30 years of experience of culinary arts can make your steak. They're both steaks, but they're very different experiences. Just like coaches who've got 30 years right. of experience like I have, or some guy who read about it online.
0: <laughs> right. Yep. Absolutely. There's uh, one point for that. I don't know if this is true, but you see things online, you, you read different articles, you, you you know there's a lot of information out there but I remember one story and again, I don't know if this is true or it's made up or what but there was a there was a big ship builder and they could never get this ship to start no matter what they did their engineers could not figure this out they were they, they went through a couple motors they didn't know what to do so they called in this old man he comes down there he looks around for a second he asks them a couple questions he looks at the engine and he taps in a certain area not connected to the engine and it fires up. He goes, All right, you'll get your you know, I'll invoice you when I get back to the shop. Labor was a dollar. His invoice was for six thousand. Yep. And so they were like, wait a minute, what? Like how do you justify that? They're like, Well, tapping was a dollar. Knowing where to tap was five thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Yep, exactly. <laughs>
1: Well, it, it's, it's – again, it, it goes back to when, when we're paralyzed with fear and self-doubt, when we're, we're, we're crippled with chaos and crisis in our mindset, we can put together – I just had this conversation with a client today. It's so ironic. They're, they've already put in all the proper processes to run their business, mm-hmm. and the business still is limping along. We spent
0: yeah
1: 15 minutes talking about why the processes weren't working. And then I said, well, who's in charge of the processes? The CEO said, well, I am. And And, who sets, and who's holding the team accountable to the team, to the, to the processes? Well, I should be. Really, tell me more about that. I'm really not doing that. As we broke it down, the CEO was so wrapped up in personal challenges he's having at home that when he shows up to the business, he's going through the motions. And as we yeah. broke it down even further, I talked to him about, you know, Challenges we have around around managing ourselves as leaders. Challenges we have sometimes around managing our itty-bitty shitty committee. Sometimes the challenges around having expectations that aren't being met where they really should be intention-based. Some of those pivots that I've had to make and that I've had other clients make, by the time we're off that call, the CEO in full transparency says to me that, my gosh, I am the bottleneck in my company. The processes aren't the issue. It's me. With that level of self-awareness, we can make magic happen. It's not... Adjust a process of business needs, a process, the differentiator is always the people, the people who run the company, the people who manage the other people, who lead the other people, who hold them accountable. And if they can't do that, the greatest processes in the world aren't going to work because going back to the shipbuilder, the great leader, the great experienced person knows where to tap, knows where to push, knows where to nudge, knows where to shift, knows where to evolve. That's the magic of having a, an experienced leader.
0: Mm. So let's talk about your book, From Suck to Success. Uh, where can we get it? Where do you want them to, to uh, get it at? And what is the main takeaway that you really hoped to encompass in this book?
1: Well, so thank you very much for asking, first of all. Uh, the book will be available starting on February 9th, 2021. Uh, you can get it on uh, Amazon. You can get it on Barnes & Noble. It's going to be everywhere. It'll be really easy to check out. Also, you can just go to my website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. We'll have links there. And eventually, the book's going to have its own website from Suck to Success. So I'm hoping it will be, it'll be that, that big of a deal that it deserves its own website. Um, you know, here's really what I want people to get from the book. Um, as I opened the book by talking about recapturing and re, re, re-owning the word extraordinary. I think extraordinary is one of those words that has been really dumbed down over the course of time. And if you take a look at extraordinary, mm-hmm. when you live an extraordinary life, you define your own success. When you live an extraordinary life, you, you have an iterative attitude to cope with failure. And when you live an extraordinary life, you realize extreme self-actualization. And ultimately, what you gain from following this book is you're going to build a fulfilling model of what you really want in your business and in your life. So some of the takeaways people can look forward to is the E4 process, like we've talked about, on how, how to, to pivot out of things that aren't working and to move into things that will work for you. We talk a lot about inside-out leadership, which means if you want to change your exterior business, you want to change your, your relationships even, your family, how, in your marriage, or even in, in going back to your, your, your circle of friends, if you show up differently, you lead from the inside out, that's where a lot of the magic can happen. When we show up differently, when we conduct ourselves differently and we do it with much more intentionality, a lot of different shifts will take place. Uh, I take people through mm-hmm. how to empower, empower their staffs. I, I take people through how to create breakthrough successes within their business. And, and I share stories of other successful entrepreneurs I know. Uh, a friend of mine's uh, Brian Scudamore from 1-800-GOT-JUNK, he's volunteered and he's yep. contributed stuff to my book. Um, I, I use Tom Schwab oh. from Interview Ballet. He's contributed Deb Gabor awesome. from Soul, Yeah, Tom is awesome. He, Deb Gabor contributes from Soul Marketing. A lot of entrepreneurs that your audience has probably either read their books or seen them on, you know, what was Brian? Uh, Undercover My show? Boss? Yeah. You're, those <laughs> are the kind of people that will that volunteered to help me with the, 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 the process of going from suck to success. At the end of the day, it's really – it's a combination of leadership strategies – for the worst of times and for the best of times. And it takes leaders and CEOs to one of two jobs. They, they either remove bottlenecks within the organization. That's all they should do. They shouldn't be dialing the phones. They shouldn't be running operations. They should ultimately get people in those spots. And, it, and the other part I take leaders to is to design their ultimate life by making it easy for their employees and their teams to work with them and make it easy for their customers to buy from them. At the end of the day, we do that. We do those two jobs as leaders. We can manage our businesses from and when we can travel again. You manage the businesses from the beach. You manage the businesses from your kids' soccer game. And you can put in a lot of processes that will run the business in your absence often better than you can.
0: hmm Oh, well, automation is huge, whether you're in a pandemic or not. I remember when I first started this show and I was trying to manually schedule everybody. Well, what's your schedule look like? What day's best for you? And then somebody, like ten episodes in, I really wanted them on my show. I said, "Do you have a link?" And I'm like, "Well, no, not really." And they said, "Okay, well, what's your scheduling process?" I said, "Well, what works best for you? What you know, my show is at 5:30. These are the days. These are what I have open." He's like, uh, "Okay, let me get back to you." And then he got back to me, and I said, "Hey." Uh, that day that you wanted is, is booked now. You know These are the days I have left. And he goes, you need to have a Calendly link. Send me a Calendly link whenever you get that set up. And I was like, what the heck is Calendly? Sure, so I sure. went on there, made a profile, set everything up, and then I started using it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is just so much easier. When do you do your show? Funny you should ask, schedule it at this link. And I don't have to do a thing. I just right. sent it to him, and it, I, that cut off at least 15 minutes a day of my time, emailing back and forth, what day works best for you? Well, I don't know what works best for you. Well, send me a link. I don't have a link. Like, all that conversation completely cut out. I looked super professional. You know, yep. I got a link. So it's just those little pivots, and, and I used the time more wisely. I could tell them what I needed in the show, uh, what. You know, I need a bio, I need a headshot, I need some links, and this is what I need. Schedule, send me, boom. And then it just comes, it just naturally just comes in an email. So doing that freed up some time. And again, the bottleneck of your company is sometimes you. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know until somebody comes along and you either read an amazing book or you have them on your show. Or you have a conversation with them and they say, hey, "Have you
1: thought about this?"
0: Well, no, I yeah, haven't.
1: Right. Well, which goes into, you know, I think there's such a value in being a lifelong learner and, and approaching things with massive curiosity because yeah. that's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we mm-hmm. evolve. And that's how we up level our game. So you want to up level your game as a podcast host? Then yeah, make it super easy for me to be a guest.
0: Makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Yep, hundred percent. When I think of from Suck to success, and when I was combing through the the uh, pre-order that that you said and I was kind of just thumbing through and looking through, something kind of stood out more than everything else, and it was the result that some of those people have talked about. It's that it's that it's the it's like the hockey stick. It's the well, I was kind of doing this. This kind of wasn't working. And there's one thing, boom, success. Can you talk about that moment when you're at the hockey stick? There was, and I'm trying to remember off the top I had one of my head, one, um, one of the stories, but, or, or one of the tips and strategies that was in there. But talk about that moment, th- that bridge that shoots you to success.
1: Well, for me, it, it, it was really what I figured out, what, what I, and I talk about it in the very beginning part of the book, and it's figuring out your ikigai. And for people listening right now who've uh, never heard of the word yeah. ikigai, it's I-K-A-G-A-I. And it's that unique sweet spot where everything we do comes together, where what we, we're best at the world at and what people will pay us for and what was our passion and purpose. And it's more layered than that, and that's why it's in the book. Um, but type in Ikigai, and it's, it's a Japanese phrase. And I, I know for for our business, when, when we hockey stick diversified industrial staffing to make the Inc. 5000 six times, the, 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 there wasn't just that – unfortunately, there wasn't that Hollywood moment where we all looked at each other saying, oh my gosh, we've got it. It was an iterative process, and I wanted to share that that piece with your audience, because if there are and many people have had that, that magical moment where it all comes together. That's awesome. We didn't experience that. It was iterative over several years to figure out where that, that hockey stick moment was going to be. And for us, it was defined as where was that increased demand for human capital that we provided and that de- decreased supply. So for us, it was in the skilled trade sector of manufacturing, machinists, welders, people like that. And as that talent pool got older, and there were less and less of them working, we pivoted from being a, a staffing company that focused solely on satisfying the needs of the customer, and we went 360 degrees the other way. And we wanted to satisfy the needs and demands of the candidate, who was typically someone who worked with their hands, you know, for you know, kind of create an image. It's the, the kids who went to shop class back in the you know 70s, 80s, and 90s, and that was our ideal client. That was our rock star. That was our our my, our, 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 we used to call them our superstar athlete. We would you know kind of have this image of a Mike Trout or our superstar actor. We'd have this image of mm. you know, Julia Roberts or Tom Cruise. We decided we're going to pivot into repping that talent back into the marketplace. And when we do that, we're going to focus on these very narrow niches, these very narrow areas. So we got very hyper-niched. So again, we found the increased demand, diminished supply, became hyper-niched in that space, decided to own the part of the supply chain that no one was going after. And we decided that in our marketing that we were going to get paid faster and get paid more because we, we controlled the choke point. And that took us multiple mm. years to figure out. That's how we were able to pay off all the debt. That's how we hockey stick the business because we found that, that area yep. that no one else was looking at, which I, I think is so important for your audience to hear that over the course of time with several people on my team contributing, whether it was, whether it was Lisa or Jeremy or Becky or whomever was part of our team, we all brought that shared knowledge together in a fail forward mindset to get the business where it needed to go. Over, and but you take it back into the Ikigai. We decided ultimately our Ikigai as a company is we were going to be the number one supplier of skilled trade manufacturing talent in the world. And that was our sole focus. Cause if we did that then
0: um, all the other pieces came together. Man, I love it. Yeah, I, was, I couldn't remember. I was like, it, it's something about a guy. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> yeah. It's so important, man. And, and I loved, I mean, you start off really good in, in this book. I mean, it's this, boom, mindset. So I want to get into a little bit of discussion towards the end of the show about mindset. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, everything is 90% mindset and 10% strategy and i'm like well or it's 80 20 or it's what i was like i think that your mindset grows from the strategy this is just my observation and what i've used in my life you can have the most amazing mindset you can have a tony robbins mindset great strategy i don't care how awesome your mindset is if your strategy sucks you will not succeed it's it's two parts it has to be either equal parts or i mean but your strategy's got to be solid so talk about that, like that mindset of either pivoting or going into business and how important it is. So I, I, I'd like to take your challenge and
1: expand it. I think we should talk about your mindset as well okay. as your strategy and how it ties into your mindset. So when we're, it's really for, for people who, who see our E4 process, the E4 process is based on what psychologists call the active learning cycle. And mm-hmm. if you... If you have a, you know, to shift your mindset, you have to recognize what's not working for you. Then you have to create a stra- an, an intention around what you do want, not an expectation. So using me as the example, what wasn't working for me was paying $600,000 in debt. That allowed my itty bitty shitty committee to have 600,000 members telling me how much I sucked every day. That got old. So my mindset shift became the, the, the being in debt wasn't working for me. So my intention became I need to get out of debt. I don't know by how or by when that'll happen. So I'm going to create a strategy around that intention. That's where, for me, the magic takes place. When I have a strategy that's flexible and pliable and is operating in the cerebral cortex part of my brain, not in the amygdala where it's fight or flight, win or lose, that's where the magic happens. Because what happens when the strategies are tried and they're executed, which is the fourth, the fourth step part of the process, is we pivot and we pivot and we pivot. So the strategy was, was pure. The strategy was, I need to find the, the intention was pure. I want to get out of I want to get out of debt. I don't know how. So let's try the strategy of going after this sector. Huh? I'm going to put that back through the filter. That sector is not hiring right now. Okay. Now where can I go? Let's go after this sector. And eh, there's a little hiring going on, but not enough. Let's try another sector. And we moved the, the needle while still maintaining the compass of getting out of debt. So for us, the strategies continually were tried and, and, and failed forward. It's, uh, you see a lot of tech companies do this where you, know, you get the version 10.0, 10.1, 10.2, 10.3, 10.4. Those are all pivots on the original strategy if you take a look at it. They're all things that we tried that didn't work that need to be improved and expanded upon. So when you take the idea uh, of having a mindset shift and you take a strategy and apply it, what you have to do is you have to rapidly test that strategy. And you have to see what, keep what works and what doesn't work. Where leaders fail on their, on their strategy is when they're going to go down with the ship on something that doesn't work. If you're going to have mm-hmm. – like going back to your pool hall example. If you want to have a pool hall where it's going to have the, the black lights and all this cool stuff, and you're in business for six months and nobody's coming to you, and you've marketed and you've spent money, you may want to pivot your strategy into having a pool hall that people do visit. Mm-hmm. And that's a pool wall yeah. where where there's light, and that's a pool where I can see the the pretty lady across the way because I'm coming out with my buddies on a Friday night, and I'm I'm looking you know someday to get married, and well one place I could maybe meet them is at your pool wall. It's shifting that, and how you figure that out is mm-hmm. what is the what is the marketplace telling me? Well, the marketplace is telling me no one's coming, or the marketplace is telling me well they're only coming on the weekends, but I got I've got rent 365 days a year. What can I do in these other days? <laughs> yeah. that's I, that's what I pivot into catering. So it's it's never ending. It's lifelong learning. It's it, it's constant evaluation of your strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, you bring up a good point. You know, are you willing to fall on the sword? Are you willing to try, 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 try and go down with the shit? Or what matters more to you? Is it the fact that, hey, look, I tried the concept. I'm open-minded. I think that's a great point about open-mindedness and growth-minded where you're not stubborn it's not working, dude. You need to figure something else out. So you, I mean, even if you go in here, you like, I mean. Yeah, the,
1: the, you have a, this, yeah. this military background. Can you imagine a general saying to his troops, okay, we're going to go take that hill, and we're going to go from point A to point B. And then someone's showing him a, 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 a satellite shot of that hill. And point A to point B is filled with cannons and tanks and, and, and infantrymen to take out his troops. Well, But if he pivots – from point one to point four, he can go around that and still take mm-hmm. that hill. It, that's really mm-hmm. – I mean, if you take a look at all things, whether it's leadership in business or leadership in the military or leadership within our households, we have to evaluate our strategy constantly. It's not, it's not a matter of being, you know, dying on the hill because you think you were right and there's only one way to take it. If you want, if you want to pivot right. or you want to be successful, you've got to be able to shift. You've got to be able to pivot, whether it's, again – Troops coming at you, COVID coming at you, things coming at you that you can't control, and, th- and bad decisions like I made back in 06 that I could control. You've got to pivot.
0: And you bring up a point about what's more important, being right and that your strategy succeeds. End game of being on top of that hill. It doesn't matter how you get there. Just get there. Well, it, 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 if there's yeah, many you ways to, to and, achieve if, it. Yeah.
1: And 90% of your troops are dead. Did you really? I mean, yeah, you got it. But what was it worth the cost? You know, I say this to entrepreneurs What's all the, the time. time. Are you are you so are you so willing to be right that you're going to sacrifice your marriage? Are you going to sacrifice your relationship with your kids? Because I've seen them do it uh, uh, with this workaholic mindset. And they come back to me and say, but I'm doing this all for my family. I call BS on that. You're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your pride and ego, mm-hmm. and everybody else is going to pay a price for that. And how do I know that? Because that's what I did. I mean, a lot of the stuff I talked about in the book, Sean is really truly experienced share of some of the, the suck decisions that I made. So let's not make them again. Mm-hmm. Let, let's have work-life integration where you, you work wiser, you work smarter, you still work hard, but you know if you want to have you know, I did this last summer, middle of the day, it's two o'clock family decides it wants to, go, wants to go to the park because we literally got stir crazy because we couldn't go anywhere. I had a break in my day. Right. I took that opportunity versus beating myself up saying I should be working. I should be marketing. I should be this. I should all over myself. No, I want to go spend this time with my family. And maybe I'll work a couple extra hours early in the morning or on the weekend. I'll get my work in. Nowadays, mm-hmm. if, we, if we could focus on the work product created, not necessarily just the number of hours we put in that's, again a new opportunity that maybe we didn't have when technology wasn't as strong as it is today.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I had a I had a friend on on my show and he had talked about a lot of entrepreneurs especially and this was kind of pre-covid like February, March, Aprilish where it was like it's it, it's here but it's not like full blow. I think it was like February, March just and he goes, man, so many people, I'm telling you and, and it came to fruition." So many people are going to find out that they're digging a lot of one-inch holes. They've got 15 one-inch holes sitting in their backyard instead of digging, like, two 10-inch holes or two 30 30-inch holes or foot holes, you know, whatever. And it was just like, that is the most amazing picture of everything going on in the entrepreneur space. And as we talked, you know, entrepreneurship is, is going down and startups are going down. You know, there's a lot of people that, that played it safe, was like, I got to get a job because I can't build a business in this recession. I can't, I, I can't succeed in this, you know? But then there's other people that are like, oh, I'm just going to pivot. Right. I'm just going to do this other stuff. And we're still going to make it happen. And as you, you and I talked, we thrived. Yeah, I, I pivoted. Right. I wasn't speaking so much in person because they weren't hosting events. So what do I do? I still got to speak. It's still a great marketing strategy, but the the intricacies of that strategy need to change. Speaking is the game, but now I got to speak virtually. Now I got to speak on more podcasts. Now I got to speak on Facebook live. I just take what I'm doing in a building at an event and I put it online. The same with creation. A lot of people, I, I told everybody, in February and March, I said, "Start writing your book now! Yep. Now, start writing your book. Do it by the summer, by the fall. Write the book, launch it. Your podcast now. Do it now. Everybody's at home. Everybody's teleworking. Do it. Do it now. Launch that podcast. Launch the because on- because where's everybody's attention? Online. Every the three main companies that got big this year, right?" Walmart, Amazon, and then you can go back and forth between a tech company or you know whatever. But everybody was shopping online, so everybody's time was spent online, which means Facebook ad revenue grew, and uh, you know LinkedIn ads and Instagram ad. I mean, the the social media platforms blew up. Revenue from YouTube, I mean, it just blew up. But what didn't blow up? Everybody else. We have to frequent your business relies on people, and I feel like this year or last year in 2020, people found out that there's a lot of holes in their backyard that needed to be filled.
1: Oh, for sure. And to, to your point, I think it, it's the savvy leader who's able to, to figure out how, how to convey those pivots and how to pass mm-hmm. on the, that messaging. I had a, I had a leader that was, was very much, she was in manufacturing and she was very, very, very much struggling with her business being shut down and her staff being on furlough through no fault of their own. And she was doing her, she was doing a lot of communicating, a lot of emails and getting no engagement. We, in a coaching call, we pivoted in her into speaking on video and sending video out wow. and, and encouraging her team to reach out to her because she's really a heart centered leader. And she was trying to so engage them. And she kept saying to me on our calls, I, I care about my team so much. I just, I'm struggling. I said, let, let's just – let's stop our call right now, and I want you to include me on this. Make, make, make a Slack channel or make a – not a Slack channel, um, an email blast or a text message blast to all your leaders. She had like 18 mm-hmm. of them. She put them into a group. She sent a video out there, and she included me in it. And she started the video off by saying, I'm thinking of all of you during these tough times, and you all mean the world to me, and I'm here for you as your, your CEO. Here's everything that I'm doing in regards to keeping our doors open and working with our customers, working with our bank. Here's the loans we're applying for, everything else. And she goes, I don't have all the answers yet, but I want to let you know that I'm doing everything I can day and night to make sure we're all going to be taken care of. If you need anything from me, both personally and professionally, reach out to me. Let me know. So if you need to talk about homeschooling, and if you, and she started kind of making this fun list of all the things that her – Mm-hmm. she started getting videos and she immediately changed the game because she was vulnerable with her leadership she talked about what she knew but she talked about what she didn't have in place yet she talked about the efforts mm-hmm. she was making they they saw in the sincerity in her face her body language the tonality of her voice the humanness the heart-centered leadership she was conveying so not only do we do we need to find the strategies and do, dig those 10 inch holes but it's also how we communicate that to our teams, and why we're digging mm-hmm. two ten-inch holes and not forty-five
0: one-inch holes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. What a great story! I love that, and it, it, it empathy and humanization, and yeah, I think that's absolutely incredible, man. Todd, again, an amazing conversation. We covered a lot. Tell everybody again where and when the book will be released. Yeah, Sean, the, book, the
1: book's going to come out on um, February 9th of 2021, um, but, I, but I also would like to say this. You know, Anybody who's heard our conversation today or in the future, and, and they feel that something I said landed with them, please reach out to me. My email address is Todd at ExtraordinaryAdvisors.com. I'm happy to give you 30 minutes of my time to talk about maybe where you might be stuck, where you might be wrapped up in fear and chaos, or where you, you might need some, some ideas. We can talk it through. 30 minutes, no charge. And I'm happy to, to pay it forward. And just please mention to me that you did hear me on Sean's show so I can give him the proper, proper credit back.
0: Oh, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Man, I just wish you the best in 2021. And I, I'm excited for your book launch. I'm excited to see where this goes, maybe from suck to success gets into a podcast of some kind or it becomes <laughs> a coaching program, or maybe it becomes a, a, an online conference or a, an event, or, you know, I just, I love the name from suck to success. Cause it's always this how to overcome or build your dream life or, you know, something like that. But it's like literally like from suck to success. And you got that lemon and it's just, you, you know, you know, you give it to the babies when they're like one or two years old, they got that little pouty face. Uh, <laughs> everybody gets it. Everybody gets it, you know? So I, I'm excited to see where this is going to go, man. It's going to be a pretty cool adventure for you.
1: Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate you having me back on.
0: Absolutely. Life Transformation Radio listeners, an amazing guest, impacting the world around him. If any conversation, a part of our conversation resonated with you, please reach out to either one of us. Go ch- check out the previous episode, The Job Search Process with CEO, and author Todd Palmer. It's an incredible episode. We'll be touching a lot of leadership stuff there and look out February 9th from suck to success, a guide to extraordinary entrepreneurship. Check it out. The website, Facebook and LinkedIn link is right there in the show notes. Click on those and connect with Todd Palmer. As I close the show, I always say live your brand, find opportunities every day to live out the core values that you hold deep in your heart. And I call this living your brand. So until next episode, live an amazing life. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?